going to enjoy this beautiful rainy day. We thank the Lord for the rain. Uh, we need it. We need it. Um, a couple of announcements to share with you uh, as we kind of begin our service this morning. Uh, today is the last day to sign up for the church picnic. The last day to sign up. So if you don't sign up today, you cannot come. No, it's, you can still come. But make sure that you just get in contact with someone. Um, but please, if you're planning on coming, thinking about coming, uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall. Please go over and sign that up so we know how much sausage to buy. Uh, and it's good sausage. Um, the baptism's been rescheduled for tonight at 7.30. It looks like the rain should be done by then. Uh, at the Ozenbach's residence, directions are out in the foyer. Uh, please bring a lawn chair and a dessert. Um, but with the rain, we're actually going to be postponing the, the teen slip and slide party. So if you're planning on coming to the youth slip and slide party, that is canceled for tonight. We congratulate Lisa Lau upon the birth of a baby boy, Evan, this past Monday. Uh, the Discover America tour with Franklin Graham. I think we have a, some slides right behind me. Perfect. Um, it's going to be September 15th at noon at the Capitol at Soldiers and Sailors Grove. Um, the address is there. There's a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall and a short video that we're going to watch. Our country is in trouble. Many people look to capitals like this, whether it's Washington, whether it's state level, they are looking for answers to the problems that they have in life. But I can tell you right now, without God, there's no hope. Next year, I'm traveling to all 50 states to hold prayer rallies, calling our nation to God. We're calling it the Decision America Tour. We're asking people to pray, to vote for biblical principles, and engage in your community by living and sharing your faith. I believe this next election may be the most important election maybe in the history of our nation. And we can have an impact on this. We're not supporting any candidates, we're not supporting any party, but we want to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I want people to come to capital steps like this where we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our nation, and I'm going to encourage Christians to stand up and let their voice be heard. So please, get involved in the Decision America Tour. So if you are interested in uh, heading down to that, there's a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall. Um, please sign up. And they're trying to figure out how many people we have at the church that are interested in going and attending that. Um, if we would need to rent a bus or if it would be able to carpool, what that would look like. So um, if that's something that you are interested in, again, there's a sign-up sheet in the fellowship hall. Um, thank you so much for all of your donations uh, of school supplies for the movie on the wall. Um, it was a huge success. Uh, a lot of people, we handed out almost 60 bags to uh, 60 different children. Um, we included in those bags little life books that actually come from the Gideons. Um, and so 60 different children got those 60 different life books. And so we're just thankful uh, to the Lord for bringing all those people and, and to you for providing all of those uh, school supplies. Uh, the last announcement this morning is out in the fellowship hall, there are sign-up sheets. Um, for what we are going to call growth groups. And what's happening is we are going to be launching small groups starting in the fall. Um, there is no specific date for when each group is going to start, um, but it will happen sometime after Labor Day. And what, what's, what it's going to look like um, is each group has a leader, leaders, and those leaders will actually decide the curriculum that they want their group to study. 
Um, there's so many different curriculums on LifeWay, but every group is going to start with the same one, and that is Radical by David Platt, which is a fantastic, fantastic curriculum. David Platt is so much wisdom there. Um, but if you are interested in getting involved in a small group, um, if you are interested in growing in a community of believers, um, there are sign-up sheets out in the fellowship hall. It says the leader's name on top of each group. There is limited space in each group. Um, and we are actually starting with limited groups, a lot of limiteds this morning. Um, but we're starting with limited groups to see how much interest there is. Um, we have other people that can step up and lead another group if, if need be. So I um, encourage you to go out and sign up if it's something you're interested in. Uh, by signing your name there, you're not necessarily making a commitment um, other than to find out more than what is it really about? What's it going to look like? Um, all the leaders that we have are fantastic, fantastic people, and they're going to do an absolutely great job. Um, but again, if you have any questions, you can come and, and see myself, uh, and I'd, I'd love to answer them for you. Let's open our service with a word of prayer this morning. Gracious God, we are so grateful to be able to gather together in this place this morning. Father, we are so grateful that you have blessed us, Father, that we can come here, that we can worship you freely and openly. Father, there are so many places in the world where that is not possible where it's almost unthinkable. God, this morning, some of us are here with walls in our hearts, with distractions on our minds. Father, take those away, because we are here to see you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Leonard's going to come and lead us in hymn 28, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.
now just before Steve comes to minister in music, I invite you to stand, turn around, or walk around, and greet someone and make them welcome. Thank you, Steve, for that number. To God be the glory for the things he has done, also for the things he will do. I invite you now to take your hymn book and turn with me to hymn number 51. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Hymn number 51. <coughs> Hey. 
think you enjoyed singing that a lot. I'd like if we would sing the second verse, the same as the first. Acapella. Acapella this time. So hymn number 51, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. One more time. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord for I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Let me mention a couple of folks that we uh, need to lift before the Lord this morning. Uh, some of you may know that uh, Sandy Snyder yesterday morning uh, had a fall and she uh, broke her, uh, actually it's the lower fibula bone uh, in the high ankle. And um, she went into the hospital yesterday and was too swollen to uh, have any surgery at that time. So she's in a cast right now until this Friday. She's at home, uh, but then on Friday she'll have outpatient surgery uh, to repair that fracture. So uh, please keep her in prayer. Very difficult, as you could imagine, uh, for her to get around. Uh, so keep her in prayer this week. Uh, Fred Anderson had, on Thursday, his right knee replaced, and he's doing well. He came home on Friday, and uh, he uh, now has to go through therapy. So uh, keep Fred in prayer as he goes through this therapy. He will need uh, his left knee replaced uh, at a certain point. Uh, it was just because he was in an accident before, and I think the left leg is very weak with plates and things in it from this car accident, um, so they couldn't do two, to get two of them together. Um, so pray for Fred. He still isn't out of the woods yet because he still has the second one uh, that needs done. And then Frank Kolish. Uh, many of you know Frank. Um, he had uh, surgery on Thursday as well uh, to have a cancerous kidney removed. Uh, the surgery went well. Uh, he actually came through the surgery pretty well. Uh, however, the cancer has spread. Uh, we don't know how far. Uh, they're still running tests to make sure they know how far it has spread. They know, do know that there's a couple tumors in his urinary tract. And uh, Joan said a while back uh, that they thought there was something on the lung as well. So uh, pray for Frank. Um, he's still in the Harrisburg Hospital, um, and he'll be there for a little while. And um, pray that you know, he'll get a good report. You know, the cancer hasn't spread too far. Um, so keep, keep Frank uh, in your prayers. He was in good spirits, but uh, of course, uh, it's just a very tough situation to, you know, to find yourself. So Father, as we come before the throne of grace, we once again, we find ourselves to be burdened. Our hearts, Father, ache uh, when we hear of those who uh, 
who we know and love, who are suffering, uh, those, Father, who are going through things that uh, certainly are not comfortable, uh, Father, but painful. And so we lift Sandy before you, Father. We do ask that uh, you would help her through this week uh, to be able to get around uh, well, be able to do the steps, and uh, we just pray that you'll watch over her. Pray that the swelling goes down enough that she can have this surgery on Friday and then that all goes very well. Uh, we thank you for Fred, for the surgery he was able to have and for the knee that was replaced. We pray that therapy goes well, uh, goes quickly, uh, so that he can get uh, the left leg done as well. Father, we think of Frank. Uh, Father, Frank is an interesting fellow, to say the least. He's a fellow Lord who... Uh, brings a smile to our faces, and we're thankful that you have brought him into the life of this church years ago, uh, brought him into my neighborhood uh, to be able to get to know him well, and uh, he finds himself now, Lord, at a very difficult place. Uh, Father, we're thankful that he came through the surgery. Uh, Lord, that has been an answer to prayer in itself, but we do pray, Lord, that the cancer did not spread too far. And that, Father, the treatment or whatever is necessary uh, that he will have to undergo, uh, that it would do what it needs to do to uh, give him many years of, of, of life. So we commit, Frank, to you. Father, we think of others on this list, many, Lord, who um, are going through some very rough and difficult times, or it's good to be able, Lord, to come before your throne and lift these folks uh, before you. Father, we are thankful for the time you've given us this morning. We're thankful for the rain. We pray, Lord, that it would be a good soaking rain this afternoon, that it might help uh, the crops and help the grass to grow and just replenish uh, the things, Lord, that have dried up. And we thank you for the relief, Lord, that we're expecting to have as this front comes through with the lower temperatures and the lower humidity. Father, we've been through a rough time with the heat and high dew points, but Father, you're in control of all of those things. Father, you give us what we need, not always what we want, but Father, we trust you because we know that you always do what is right. And so we thank you for the refreshment of the rain uh, today. Father, we want to thank you too for your son. We certainly thank you, Father, that you and your great love for mankind, for those who you have created. In your love, Lord, you have provided a way to be rescued from our sins. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us, that washes us white as snow. And Father, I pray that you might help us Lord, to walk in your footsteps. Now that we are your children, now that we, Father, have become part of your family, help us to walk worthy of the name of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You stand with us, we continue to sing to our Lord. 
Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. When the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I'll sing. see you with my eyes let faith arise to you when i cannot feel your hand in mine let faith arise to you god of mercy and love i will praise you lord oh you shine oh you shine with glory lord of light i feel alive with you in your presence now i come alive i am alive with you and there is strength when i say Savior, Lord, there is none like you. 
And we don't have the words on the screen behind us for this, but uh, join us and sing the chorus of How Great Is Our God. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Let's sing that again. How great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for Let's sing that as a prayer. Lord, prepare me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. Be a living sanctuary. You know, I suppose it depends on who we are, where we are, what circumstances we are in. If I was on a lake in a bass boat, and God said, whatever you want, it would be a 10-pound bass. If I was in a hospital flat on my back, it would probably be good health. You know, our vehicles are getting a little bit old right now, and I often say, I'd love, I would love to have a Mustang GT. <laughs> now, back in 1968, when I graduated from high school, 
My first car was a 1968 Mustang. And so I have this itch. Not midlife crisis, I'm beyond that. <laughs> but I think it would be nice. I know I'm not even making eye contact now with my wife. Because <laughs> we'll probably have a conversation this afternoon. But I have this itch, and it just seems right that in 2018, on my 50th anniversary of my 1968 Mustang, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> if you could have anything you wanted, anything, and God gave to you a blank check, what would that be? Maybe for you, that's a, a, a new house or unlimited wealth. Maybe it's the salvation of a loved one, a family member. See, I suppose it depends on who we are and, and what lot in life that we find ourselves. Well, there was a man in the Bible, his name is Solomon, and God said to Solomon one day, what is it you want, Solomon? God gave Solomon a blank check. You fill it in, Solomon, and it's yours. Now, in the situation in which Solomon found himself, and that was being the king of Israel, he was young, he was inexperienced, and now he's sitting on the throne of Israel, this great people of God. And so what he requested was not health or wealth or a new house. What Solomon needed was the ability to be able to govern all of these people. Here is this young, inexperienced, inadequate young man who God gives a blank check, and he says, I want wisdom. I want to be able to discern what is right and wrong. I want to be able to judge correctly. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3. And let's read the story in which God grants Solomon wisdom. Now remember, this is a series about dreams. It's in a dream one night that God comes to Solomon and gives him, makes this request. 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon, he made an alliance with the Pharaoh king of Egypt and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, 
You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people that you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of, the, of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then he gave a feast for all his court. Solomon is young. He's sitting now on the throne in which his father sat. His father was David. He's inexperienced. And God comes to him in a dream and says, what do you want? And Solomon said, I want the ability to be able to govern these people and govern them well. Wisdom is what I want. I want to be able to have good judgment. I want to be able to discern the things that are right, the things that are wrong. God, this is what I choose. Let's look closer at these verses that we just read. First of all, Solomon's situation. I said earlier that depends probably on your situation. It depends on that in what you would ask for. Solomon says in verse 1, he made a few mistakes. Solomon was not a perfect king by any means. And it says in verse 1 that he wanted to make peace with the surrounding nations, Egypt being one of those. And so he decided to marry Pharaoh's daughter to make this alliance with Pharaoh. <laughs> well, it might have worked, but it certainly was not something that God was pleased with. Uh, it was forbidden of the Israelites to marry outside their nation. They were to marry among themselves. And so this alliance with Pharaoh was forbidden by God. 
You'll notice back in 1 Kings chapter 11, let me read what happens uh, back there. In uh, 1 Kings eleven three, 3, it says that he had uh, 700 wives. This is when Solomon got much older. But back in 1 Kings, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. So he's got 1,000 women now in his life. And it says that his wives led him astray. And as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. You see, Solomon was not supposed to choose foreign women. He was supposed to marry among the Israelites. And so this is one big mistake that he made. You know, the Bible is quite clear, young people, that believers are to marry other believers. The Bible says we are not to be unequally yoked with one another. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteous and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? You see, the same thing that happened to Solomon can happen in marriages today. That an unbeliever will pull a believer away from God. So Solomon is not a perfect king. He made a mistake right here at the beginning of his reign. He made an alliance with the king of Egypt. However, it does say in verse 3, he did love the Lord. Uh, he showed his love for the Lord by walking according to his instructions. Uh, but then we have in verse 3 the word except. <laughs> he loved the Lord except it says that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on high places. Now, high places was the location where the Canaanites, the pagan Canaanites, worshipped their gods. They came to these high places, these, these plateaus. And it's there where these foreign, uh, these, these, uh, foreign nations would come to worship their gods. Well, it says here that Solomon at times would even go to these high places, the very location in which the Canaanites were offering their gods, and he would bring sacrifices to his god. The NIV Study Bible says this about Solomon. It says, Solomon's one major fault early in his reign was inconsistency in meeting the Mosaic requirements concerning places of legitimate worship. In other words, Solomon was inconsistent where he would go to worship. There were certain locations in which he was to go. Gibeon, as we're going to look at in just a minute, was one of those places where he should have gone to worship. Jerusalem was a place where he should have gone to worship, not to the Canaanite high places. So he was very inconsistent in where he would go. So as he begins his reign, um, Solomon was kind of wishy-washy. He loved God, but we do these other things that certainly did not please God. Verse 4 does say he went to Gibeon, and uh, this was one of the places he should have gone. It was very important because um, that's where the tabernacle was. We read in the text that the temple is not yet built in Jerusalem, 
So the tabernacle was still set up in Gibeon, so he went there to uh, bring sacrifices as well. Well, while he's at Gibeon, while he's at a right location, that's when God comes to him in a dream. So this is his situation. He's young, he's inexperienced, he's inconsistent, uh, and yet he's sitting on the throne of his father David. So God comes to him knowing that he's young and inconsistent and inadequate, comes to him and says, Solomon, listen, what is it you want? In verse 5, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Just ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Solomon, what do you want? He comes to Solomon in a dream and hands him this blank check. He says, what do you want? Now notice Solomon's prayer. He begins in verse 6 by praising God for the great kindness that he showed to his father David. You know, I want you to notice the pattern of Solomon's prayer. After God asks him what he wants, he then praises God. You know, one of the ways that we ought to begin prayers is by praising God, thanking God, acknowledging the great God that we serve and the great God in whose presence we come. So in verse 6, he praises God for his great faithfulness. And then what he does is he acknowledges his weakness. He acknowledges his inadequacy. He acknowledges his limitations, his need. God, I feel like a child. I'm sitting on this throne and I look out and I see this great nation. And I just don't know what to do. I don't know where to begin. And so he comes before God, bringing before God his need. And then the request. And in short, the answer he gives is, God, I need wisdom. I need good judgment. I need the ability to know what things are right and what things are wrong. I need God to be able to make good decisions. Boy, if there's one prayer today, we ought to offer to God on behalf of those in authority over us. It's this. God, give to the leadership of this nation good judgment. Give them the ability to understand what's right and what's wrong and to make good decisions. So Solomon, he comes before God. First of all, he praises God for who he is. He then comes before God with his need. This is what I need. I can't do this myself. I need you, God. I am weak, but thou art strong. And then he brings his petition. And again, in essence, he's asking for wisdom. I need wisdom to govern the people well. Notice God's response. God responds in verse 10, being pleased. Solomon brought his need before God, and God is all smiles. You know why? God loves when we come before him with a need. God loves when we come before him and say, God, 
I need you right now. I, I can't do this myself, but God, I need you. God is pleased when we say, God, I am weak, but you are strong. I can't do this, God, and so I need you to help me. And then God provides. This says in this text that God was not only pleased with Solomon, but he provides him with exactly what he asked for. I will give you wisdom. As a matter of fact, I will make you the wisest man on earth, and no one will ever be wiser than you. But God didn't stop there. It's interesting because God said, but because you didn't ask for these other things over here, you didn't ask for riches and you didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for the destruction of your enemy. You asked for wisdom. Solomon, that's good. But because you asked the right thing, I'm going to give you all the rest of these, even a long life, if you obey me. That was conditional. You know, it reminds me of verses such as those in Ephesians chapter 3, where we come before God and we, we make a request. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. We come before God with our requests, and we need to understand that God is able to do even beyond what we ask or think. And then it also reminds me of verses like those in Matthew chapter 6, where when we ask for certain things, God says, and I'm going to do even more. You know, Solomon's request is a wonderful example of what happens when we put God's purposes first. When we put the purposes of God first, in Matthew chapter 6, it says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things then will be given to you as well. Isn't that what happened to Solomon? Exactly. Solomon put the purposes of God above his own. God, I want for you to give me the ability to govern your people. All right? I'll give you that. But I'm going to give you all the rest of these as well. In verse 12, it does say that he is the wisest man ever. Uh, it says that I will do this for you. Verse 13, and moreover, I'm going to give you these other things. There was an unknown, unnamed soldier. And um, during the terrible days of the Civil War, uh, he wrote these words. He said, I ask for strength that I might achieve, but I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health, that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity, that I might do better things. I asked for riches, that I might be happy. I was given poverty, that I might be wise. I asked for power, that I might have the praise of men. But I was given weakness, that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I had hoped for. 
almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Notice Solomon's reaction in verse 15. It says that he wakes up now from this dream. He wakes up and he does a couple of things. First of all, he goes off to Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem was where the temple was being built. It's also the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was one of those locations in which God has designated to go and worship. And so he goes to Jerusalem and there he sacrifices burnt offerings, according to verse 15. Um, he also sacrifices fellowship offerings. But then at the end of verse 15, it says he gave a feast for all his court. I love that because what that says to me is this. He didn't want to just experience the joy of this request of God's and all that God is going to do for him. He didn't want to just experience it alone. He wanted to include others. A few years ago, I was looking online at small group uh, resources, and I came across uh, a resource that was entitled uh, Better Together. I don't know, I forget who produces it, but the, the thrust of the, uh, the theme was that we do things better together. We do things better together. Now, you can worship, I suppose, as you're walking out in the woods somewhere, but there's something about coming together on a Sunday morning, and we come together and worship together. Uh, you might be able to sing in the shower, and maybe you do it well, but there's something about coming together in church and singing together. We do it better together. You can pray in your quiet time at home, and you ought to be doing that, but there's something special on Sunday nights when we can come together in prayer meeting, and we sit together here in this section, and we, we pray together. Solomon wanted to include others in the joy in which he was experiencing. It's better together. And then we close with the last point, and I've entitled this a split decision. <laughs> and let me tell you the story. We don't have the time to read down through the rest of this chapter, uh, but let me just explain what takes place. Uh, because remember, Solomon has just been given wisdom, great wisdom from God. Well, now that wisdom is going to be put to the test. Okay, so try to picture Solomon sitting on his throne. It's a court session. And part of Solomon's duties was to be a judge, to make rulings on important decisions. So Solomon's sitting on the throne, and in walks two women, prostitutes. You know, I also always find it interesting the stories that God includes in his holy, infallible word. In comes two prostitutes. Now, these two women, let me back up, uh, they lived together. They lived in the same house. They lived under the same roof. And because of their profession, uh, they each became pregnant. Uh, 
The first woman delivered. The second woman, three days later, delivered. So they're in their beds at night with their sons, and the second woman rolls over on her little infant son, smothering him, and he dies. She decides to take her dead son and switch it with the living son of the first woman. So in the middle of the night, that's what she does. So woman number one now wakes up in the morning to nurse her son, her little infant son, and discovers that he's dead. And closer observation, uh, she understands and sees, well, this isn't even my son. And she knows that in the middle of the night, the sons were switched. So they go to Solomon, both claiming that the living son is their son. Now, suppose you were sitting on the throne. How do you decide whose son is the living son? There's no medical tests, no eyewitnesses, one woman's word against another. Solomon says, give me a sword. Remember, this is the wisest man on earth. (laughs) Give me a sword. And we'll cut this living child in half, and we'll give half to her and half to her. The first woman, whose son is the living son, says, Your Honor, please, I would rather have you give my son to her. I would rather have another woman raise my son than for him to be killed. The second woman whose son is the dead son, says, cut him in half. Then neither of us get him. Solomon knows right away whose son it is. It's the son of the first woman, the woman who had great love and compassion for the living son. And so this was the test, and Solomon passed. And we read at the very end of this chapter, it says that uh, they held the king in awe. Because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice. Wouldn't you like wisdom? Wisdom is something we all need. Wisdom to be able to make good decisions. I don't know about you, but I often find myself not knowing what is the right thing to do? You know, do you do A or do you do B? Let me close by giving you a few practical steps. When you come to a place where you need to make a decision, you come to a crossroads in life, and you have to choose one or the other. How do you do that? First of all, Come before God and tell God you're lost. You really don't know what to do. Come before God with your need. Let God know that you feel inadequate in this decision making. Let him know that you are weak and you have limitations and you're just not sure 
what is the right thing to do. God is never more pleased than when we bring a need before him. He loves when we say, God, I can't do this. I need your help. I am weak, but God, you are strong. Bring God into the solution. And then ask for wisdom. Solomon first, what did he do? He said, God, I can't do it. I feel like a child. I look at out of all these people, I just can't do this, Lord, myself. Give me wisdom. You know, in James chapter 1 and verse 5, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You know, when you come before God with a need, and you come before God and say, God, I, I just don't know what to do. God doesn't say, ah, you know what, you're old enough, you're mature enough, you've been a Christian a long time, you ought to know what to do. God doesn't do that. God is just tickled to death that you came before him and asked him to help you. Ask for wisdom. And all of Israel, as I read this very last verse, they heard the verdict of the king, and they held the king in awe because they saw the great wisdom that God had given to him. Well, God is the same today as he was yesterday. And God loves to give to his people wisdom. God loves to give to his people uh, the ability to make good judgment calls and to make good decisions. God wants to lead us. He doesn't want us to flounder, but we have to come before him. God, this is my need. Now please help me. And then finally, search the scriptures. Solomon asked for a sword. We read in the text in Ephesians, uh, the text where it speaks of the armor of God, that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. God has given us this book to guide us and to lead us. We often find solutions to the questions we have. We often find verses, or God will, will, will uh, use a verse uh, in a situation where we find ourselves to help us make that right choice. We need to search the Scriptures. If he's, uh, Hebrews Chapter 4 says that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. Sharper than any double-edged sword. And in the book of Psalms 109, it speaks about the word of God being a light to guide our path. You have a decision to make? First of all, tell God you have a need. Now, he knows it already, but he still wants you to come. God wants you to come before him acknowledging that you can't do this, but he can. And then ask for wisdom. James says, if you ask, it will be given you freely, generously. God's not going to find fault. God doesn't say, no, you go figure it out yourself. God grants wisdom and search the scriptures. Keep searching the word of God because the Bible has so many answers to the questions that we have. The Bible says that we have not because we ask not. 
you ask God and see if he doesn't do immeasurably more than you could ask or think. Father, we come before your throne thanking you that you are a God who is willing to guide us and direct us. Father, I pray that our first step might be to come before you in prayer, to ask you for your help. We know, Lord, that you're always there for us, willing and able to do above and beyond what we could ask or think. Father, we thank you for this man Solomon, for the, uh, for the lessons that we're able to learn in looking at a story such as this one. So help us, Lord. Help us to make right choices, good decisions, and have good judgment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to close by turning to hymn number 431. Uh, 431, but we're not going to sing it according to the tune on that page. Uh, there's another tune, Holy Bible Book Divine. We're going to sing this song, these lyrics, uh, to that tune. Got it? Okay. Play through it just a little bit, would you, Sarah? Thank you. tune come my soul your plea prepare come my soul your plea prepare jesus loves to answer prayer he himself has bid you pray there were none not turn away you are come to a king therefore bring for his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much Lord I come to thee for rest take possession of my breast there thy blood bought right maintain and without a rival reign while i am up from here let thy love my spirit cheer as my guide my guard my friend Father, we thank you once again for loving us, caring for us, and Father, I pray that you might guide us, lead us in the right paths, those paths we need to take. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.